Okay. We eat so much. Um, okay. So a typical day um, for me it would be um, <laughs> getting up around um, six o'clock and these two wakers up and my husband will give them a bottle um, and then I'll take over about seven when he goes to work. And so basically, yeah, the day spent like any other mother at home, um, uh, feeding them, cooking for them, making sure they're cleaned and happy, being all-round entertainer, um, taking them to play groups, and um, yeah, just uh, spending time with them, making sure they're doing all right and they're having a, a good a good day. Um, yeah, so um, it can be pretty hectic. Um, pretty exhausting and by seven in the evening when they're in bed we kind of collapse on the sofa and uh, don't want to do anything else um, but then we tend to like do some washing and cook some food for the next day um, so yeah that's that's our everyday um, I guess leading up to, to having them um, it's a bit of a, a difficult time for my husband and I because we tried to have children thank you Elliot <laughs> we tried to have them for um, several years and uh, to cut a really long story short um, we uh, went to the doctors and the doctor basically said to us um, yep yeah, forget it uh, this month it's not going to happen for you um, let's just pause everything and you can try again in three months time uh, so uh, we kind of ignored that advice <laughs> which is probably not the best idea as a doctor but we did and um, there was lots of people praying at church, particularly that, that night. Um, and I, I had, um, just before I went into the doctors actually, I got uh, a reading that was um, from Thessalonians and it was, God is faithful and he will do it. And uh, so this news was kind of weird to me and I thought, you know, what's, how does that marry up? But um, anyway, after all the prayer we had, um, we went into the doctors again, he said, you are pregnant and um, you're going to have twins. So yeah, it was amazing, brilliant news and uh, we're just so grateful to God and to everyone who kept us in their prayers. Um, and so yes, life changed forever after that and um, it's just been brilliant. And just having twins um, kind of is such a good conversation starter. I can't leave the house really without someone stopping me and saying, oh, are they twins? And then a whole load of other questions come my way. So yeah, I tend to speak to perfect strangers every day um, about them and about my story, um, which is great. And also neighbors, it's just opens um, so many opportunities with neighbors to build relationships with people that we actually just never saw or spoke to before. Um, and being at home um, just means that, yeah, I bump into them all the time and they're so interested in the twins that, um, yeah, we're now on first name basis. And it's just lovely to build community and build friendships with people just on my doorstep, um, which wouldn't have happened um, you know, with, without them. Um, and yeah, so it's just, it's just such an added blessing. Um, uh, they were blessing enough in the, on their own, but that's just an added blessing too. Yeah, I think God will, he just opens door after door and brings people into my life. Um, 
and we're having friends sort of giving my number out to people and they're sort of saying, oh, um, I've got a friend who's um, pregnant with twins and it's come as a bit of a shock. Um, can I just call you and, and um, get advice from you? So a couple of times I've had conversations with perfect strangers about twins and sort of tried to encourage them. Um, and it's just so great to be able to do that. It's early January 2018, and never before, let me just state the obvious, never before in history have we as a people been more excited, more desperate, more keen. Never before have we more uh, been in a place where we're running after the extraordinary than what we are today. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not just our generation. For generations, in fact, just as time began, People started doing this. This is the thing we've always been running after. And as we look into the Bible in just a second, you'll see what I mean. People have been tempted to run after this kind of stuff. But never before have we, have we been so saturated with information overload, with, uh, I, I guess, uh, the, ability, the ability to access the extraordinary like we have in this generation. Let me read you some stats. Facebook now has over 2 billion users. YouTube, 1.5 billion. Instagram has 800 million. And all the others like Pinterest, Snapchat, and Flickr combined come together with another few hundred million users. So never before in history have moments of the extraordinary been more accessible to us than in this generation. And I'll argue, never before have we been more desperate to be a part of it? So, what I want us to see afresh today, what I want us to look into with new eyes uh, as we spend this time together, is that we really have to get this thing, the truth, that we have to stop striving so much for the extraordinary, for those exceptional moments in life, for what seems to be so attractive and if, as if it's going to change our lives forever. Our whole world is going to be turned around by this one big moment. Because the reality is that for most of us, this is never going to be the case. It never will. And instead, instead for us to be content, to be happy, even to celebrate the ordinary everyday things for what they really are. The everyday things of life that ro ro really won't be good enough to make you the next big internet sensation. The, the ordinary things that's not going to get you 17 million hits within a day on social media. What we're about to look at is hugely, hugely countercultural. But if you and I, if you and I step out of our comfort zone where we are at currently, in this generation, and embrace this, the truth of God, the truth that the Bible wants to teach us today, not only is it liberating, but it suddenly opens a whole new door and a whole new world of opportunities for us to truly experience the spectacular. And this is not just me being on some, it's not a New Year's re resolution for me where I'm on some sort of an anti-internet campaign or where I'm trying to be some sort of a some sort of a countercultural superhero. <laughs> no, what I want to remind us of today 
is the original plan, the original plan, God's big idea for how he loves to work and how he takes pleasure in every moment, every moment, every ordinary moment of every single day. Those moments that our culture would dismiss as boring, mundane, and even irrelevant. See, when you read the Bible, you soon realize, it doesn't take long, within the first few pages, you soon realize God loves the ordinary. He loves it. Not only that, if we stop, if we're willing to pause our superficial, busy lives and take time to listen, you'll see and you'll discover that it's in those very moments where God wants to be found in your ordinary, everyday moments. That's where God wants to be found. And right at the start of the Bible, in the first few chapters of Genesis, we see, we notice as we read it, that from absolutely nothing, God made stuff. The ordinary stuff of life. Farm animals, wild animals, plants, sand, humans, sex, oceans, stars, he made it all, and all of it was amazing. And he even took time every single day to pause, to look over it, and to say, I like it. It's good. I'm pleased with the stuff that I made. He was so content and so pleased with it all because it was perfect. It was ordinary. It was the regular stuff of life, but it was perfect. And then he gave dominion over all of that stuff to humans, to people like you and me. And he said, enjoy it, work it, make the most of it. And guess what? I'm going to be right there in every single moment with you. And then this happened. You can find it right at the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? This, this is a huge moment. It's colossal. Moments just don't get bigger than this moment right here. Let me, just remind, let me just rewind for a second. There was no special place. As you read those first two, two chapters of Genesis, you see there's no special place for Adam and Eve to go to where they find the holy stuff. There's no place like that. There's no place that they needed to make their way to, away from the ordinary, in order to go and experience the spectacular. There was no place like that for them. It was just as they went about their ordinary things. They're, they're waking up. They're looking out for the plants. They're making sure that everyone's fed. Having sex in those ordinary, everyday moments, those moments is where they met God. Those moments were saturated with the pleasure and the presence of Almighty God. For them, the ordinary and the spectacular met. Every day, every single day, in every moment, the ordinary 
and the spectacular came together. And even though they had all of this going for them, just imagine for a moment, everything possible going for you, and in every ordinary moment, the God of the universe, the God who made it all, he meets you in that moment. The ordinary and the supernatural, the spectacular, the wonderful, the amazing, it all meets all the time. That all of that going for them, and then in one of the craziest moments in history, Eve finds herself in a quiet conversation with the serpent, the snake, the devil himself. She has a bit of a chat with him. And he says, is that it? Is that it, Eve? Do you really think God meant it when he said, don't eat from that tree? Is that, is that all there is to it? I mean, he gave you access to every single other plant and every single other tree imaginable. Why would he, why would he exclude this one? Have you ever asked yourself, Eve? Have you ever asked yourself why? Have you ever thought about it? Unless, unless of course, there's something he's not telling you. Unless, of course, he's, he's, he's hiding something from you. And unless he's panicking. Unless he's panicking. Maybe he's panicking, Eve. Maybe he's worried. Maybe he thinks that when you eat from this tree, you'll be able to just be like him. And he doesn't want to share that. Maybe your eyes will be opened. Maybe you'll enter into a whole new world. Maybe you too will experience the supernatural, the out there, the extraordinary, the miraculous, the amazing. Maybe you too will experience all of that if you eat from this tree. And maybe that's the reason why God said don't eat from it. And you know what happened? They did. They ate from the tree. Adam and Eve, they both, they ate from the tree. They went with a snake. And from that moment, throughout history, human beings all over the world, you and me, we seem to do that. We go with a snake. I'm not just referring to people who don't follow Jesus. I'm including those of us who do. We like the new shiny thing. We tend to go with it. Just like everyone else, we find its appeal something we just cannot resist. We find it just as amazing and enticing as the next person. And I guess the reason is that, that on the one hand, we are, we are biological people, biological beings, and we live in a world with all sorts of delights and things and wonderful things and options for trying to make us find meaning and satisfaction. And at the same time, we're spiritual beings who can love God, who can know God. And what we're trying to do and figure out is how do we carve out an existence that kind of makes sense when we know there's so much more out there. How do you and I how do you and I live when we know there's so much more to life than just this 
which we are experiencing right now. How do we carve out an ordinary spirituality where every single day really matters? Where food and drink and everyday things like, I don't know, brushing your teeth really matters. And where there are moments where you and I could meet with God and be changed by Him in that moment. Is that even possible? The verses in Colossians, which this series hangs on, I think firmly suggest that. You may remember them from last week, but in case you missed it, uh, let's, let's read them together. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. I want you to notice a key word at the start of both of these verses. Whatever. Whatever means no matter what. It means in everything. It means in every single moment of every single day, the thing that you find your hands doing in those moments, it means those moments. It means, it means doing laundry. It means washing your car. It means going for that interview. It means preparing to go for that interview. It means studying for that exam. It means focusing and putting your energy into that dissertation that you need to do. It means saying hello to that person who you know could do with a smile, who you know could do with it if you would just pause and take three minutes out of your day and ask them how they're really doing. Whatever you do, every moment, every single day, do it in the name of the Lord, and He will be right there, right there with you. And even now, as I say it, some of you are still stuck on doing laundry. Really? Doing laundry? Is that included? That's included. Doing laundry is included in whatever you do. You see, we're so trained by culture so shaped by celebrity culture and by television and so conditioned to thinking that the spectacular is where it's at. The spectacular, the big moment, the wow moment of life, that's where it's all happening. Most people spend so much time on social media getting caught up in whatever is trending on the day that when they look at their own lives comparatively, it just seems so ordinary, so boring. So mundane, for some even so irrelevant. So when someone suggests that we do ordinary things like doing our laundry for the glory of God, when a few minutes ago you watched a video that absolutely blew your mind and where you sat there thinking, why wasn't I the one that came up with that clever idea because that person is now super, super rich because of that three-minute video, it seems a little tough to accept because we've been so otherwise conditioned. It's, o it's only when you and I make our way back to the garden where it really all started, where the original plan was laid out for humans, for you and me, for people, 
It's only when we look at these verses in Colossians that we see this was God's plan all along. It was His plan. Real life happens in small, ordinary, everyday moments. That's where they happen. When we live in this way, the Bible describes for us our everyday business becomes deeply, deeply spiritual and overflowing with opportunity. You want opportunity for the spectacular? You want opportunity to experience the supernatural? Just invite God into the ordinary, everyday moments of your life. He'll be there. He'll change you. You'll never, ever be the same. It won't be fake. It won't be a moment that comes and goes. It will be something that lasts forever. It'll be something that shapes your heart and who knows, everyone else around you's hearts for eternity. That's what really matters. You know, for the most of us listening to this right now, we're nowhere near that description. If we're honest with ourselves, we're just nowhere near that description. You know, it's, we, need, we need a detox, don't we? We need some sort of a spiritual reboot, someone to, someone to come and restart the button for us so we can experience the stuff that was originally laid out in God's great plan to meet us in the ordinary, everyday moments of life. The Bible calls this process the renewing of our minds. That's what the Bible calls it. And I'm going to read a few verses from the New Living Translation, which I just found really clear and very helpful. It says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, so don't you go and do it, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If that doesn't excite you, nothing in life will. The creator of the universe has a will and a perfect plan for your life, and you can find it if only you will allow him to change your mind into thinking in a new way, a way that is far more healthy for you, far more sustainable for you, and will have far more of the spectacular for you in your everyday, ordinary moments when you're brushing your teeth. If you want to truly experience God, rather than running after the extraordinary, superficial, fake spectacular that social media and television and whatever other avenues have got for us, whether you're a Christian or whether you're far away from God and you're trying to make your way back to Him, today is the day, this moment is the moment to let it go. Let go. I'm, I'm, not, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that we all chuck our phones in the bin. I'm not suggesting that you never post a picture again. It's, you know, in itself, there's nothing wrong with posting a picture on social media. There's nothing wrong with, with putting up a status. There's nothing wrong with trying to communicate with friends on the other side of the world. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that's the thing that shapes our lives, man, are we in trouble. Today is the day to let go if you know in your heart you are running after the spectacular, the fake spectacular, the fake extraordinary. And don't try and fix it yourself because when you do, the next distraction will just catch you off guard. While you're busy trying to fix it yourself, the next distraction will come and get you. 
If you want this, you've got to do something really, really, really difficult. <laughs> you have to let go. You have to surrender. You have to give over to God. And he'll change you. What we need is restored, ordinary spirituality. Where we meet with God and where we're changed by him in the everyday moments of our lives. Where we drink and eat food and God is right there with us. Don't you want that? Don't you want to eat food, have a meal with your friends, with your neighbors, with your housemate, with your wife, with your family? Don't you want to have that meal? And God, the creator of the universe, is right there. He's right there. Don't you want that? And you know, when you have these moments, when you experience these moments, when you and I get those moments, do you know what we should do? We should celebrate them. We should make much of them. And I'm not, I'm not saying video them and post them on social media. I'm saying celebrate them. Make much, tell people. Do something difficult. Go to someone face to face. Say something to them. And the more you celebrate those moments, the more you and I make much of those ordinary moments where we met with God, the more we will experience God over and over and the less we'll be distracted by the fake, the things that don't last, the things that mean nothing. The more we celebrate it, the more we'll realize Meeting God in ordinary moments is where it's really at. It's his original plan. Let me read you something from William, Ma William Martin's parenting book. I found this so, so helpful. Don't ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. Such a striving may seem admirable, but it's a way of foolishness. Help them instead to find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes and apples and pears. Show them to cry when pets and people die. Show them it. Show them the infinite pleasure of the touch of a hand. Make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. So helpful. There's real power in celebrating the ordinary, the everyday things of our lives. That's how the kingdom of God comes. That's how the kingdom of God is established. That's how the kingdom of God grows. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, like many other people, I guess Christians and non-Christians, I would have been in conversations about revival. God breaking out into communities. Or maybe, maybe you've read about it. Um, God's broken into a community and hundreds of people have experienced his miraculous power in their lives and they are changed in a moment. It's concentrated. It happens in that area. At times, thousands upon thousands of people's lives radically changed by this revival, this, this moment where God seems to break into a community. So I'm not, I'm not for one moment suggesting that God cannot do that. He's God. He can do whatever He wants. But most of us, and for the most part, 
God's kingdom, it grows in the ordinary everyday moments of life. That's where it grows. It grows when you, when you wake up in the morning and you brush your teeth and God's there. And then you have only two or three minutes before everybody else in the house needs your attention. And you open the Bible and you read. He's there. And then you say, God, I don't have much time. I've got, I've got time for this one little prayer. Please help me today. I've got that major meeting coming up. I've got that big interview coming, God. God, I'm, hel- I'm helping to look after my grandchildren, God. God, I'm having a difficult conversation with my housemate, Father. Just those moments, those small prayers, God loves to be in them. That's where the kingdom of God comes. It's when you get that text from your friend later in that day, your friend who's desperate, your friend who's far away from God, and they've got a huge, huge, huge challenge that they're dealing with. And you pause for a moment and you say, God, help me respond well. It, it, the kingdom of God comes and it grows when later on that week you meet with that friend, you have dinner with him, and you show them the love of God and the kindness of God. That's where the kingdom of God comes and where it grows. And when you do it again next week, and when you do it again the week after, and when you do it again the week after that, that's how the kingdom of God comes. In everyday, ordinary moments, that's how it comes. And then that friend also connects with another, with another Christian. And they do the same. They say simple prayers. And they show them the love of God. And one day, this friend of yours, who's struggling, who is far away from God, and who is desperate, one day, after days or weeks or months, or sometimes even years, God breaks into their life. And they say, I too want to follow Jesus like you. And they start following Jesus. And they invite him into their ordinary moments of their lives. And they start experiencing him in a miraculous way. They start experiencing him meeting their ordinary with his spectacular. That's how the kingdom of God grows. That's how it comes. Eugene Peterson calls this long obedience in the same direction. Jesus calls it being faithful in the little. Our generation just don't like those, those images. Our generation think about that and think, I can't have any of that. We don't like long. Long, long's a forbidden word. We like instant, we like now. We don't like it. Obedience, we don't like that. We wanna, I live for myself, we don't want that. In the same direction, we don't want the same direction. We want new things every moment of every single day. That's what we want. Faithful? What? Are you crazy? In the little? We don't want little. We want spectacular. spectacular. We want extraordinary. We want huge. We want amazing. Little? Don't be crazy. But here's the thing. When you and I stop running after trying to become the next internet sensation and we begin to invite the Holy Spirit into every ordinary moment of every ordinary day, just like Galatians 5.25 instructs us to, you and I will, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, experience that in our ordinary moments, God's extraordinary, supernatural, spectacular, wonderful, amazing comes and meets us. We'll experience it. And that 
is amazing. In just a moment, we're going to have a, a chance to respond together to this. I want you to know this. God, God is a loving, kind, gracious, wonderful, caring Father. He loves you. There's nothing in the world you could do for Him to love you more. Nothing. He loves you with everything He has. And you know what? If you respond to Him, even in the smallest way, even taking the smallest step, and even tomorrow morning when you do the very smallest thing you can to include Him in that moment, that very ordinary basic moment, He's going to be there. He's going to meet you. And you know what? The next time you're trying to look for his voice, the next, next time you're trying to say, is he really there? It's going to be so much easier for you to find him. You'll know him. You'll get to know his voice better and better in each and every single time, in each and every single ordinary moment when you say, God, you're right here. This is a big deal. You'll soon realize how amazing your ordinary, everyday life can really be. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you want to meet ordinary people like us in our everyday moments of our everyday lives. I want to pray right now that you will help us, Holy Spirit, to give those moments their rightful place. Forgive us for elevating that which seems so extraordinary but lacks substance. I ask you to help us, help us all to experience the ordinary and the spectacular coming together in our lives like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.